Hello and welcome to Tetetet by Fresco Media. We're here today for a second episode uh, in the build-up to the Indian Super League, which starts on November the 20th. And uh, joining us on this one is Dibidi Bhattacharya, who has taken a lot of inspiration from uh, the wingmen, um, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's joining us from his car. It's a pretty good setup, pretty cozy setup. I see why they keep going for uh, podcasts in the cars. Inadvertently, you've blocked out the noise. That's terrific. I'm here, you know, I'm stuck with firecrackers bursting in the background on the occasion of Diwali. So that's a good setup you've chosen there. Already bonus points to you. But uh, we're going to speak about something that both of us are very uh, excited to speak about because uh, for the longest time, Indian football and financial struggles have gone hand in hand. And uh, I mean, a lot of people know that Indian football is not necessarily the biggest sport in the country, right? It's one of them um, kind of sleeping giants, if I may call it. And FIFA themselves have come out tens and millions of times of branded India the sleeping giant of football. We have yet to see where that uh, plan is going towards. But the ISL was launched um, to bring sustainability or financial sustainability to Indian football clubs. And this started off with a franchisee-based model. Um, but they also introduced a lot of things that's very similar to the Indian Premier League, which is the cricket league of the country. And uh, one of them was the central revenue pool, which basically means that each club gets a share of the revenue generated from sponsorship and broadcasting. And I mean, surprise, surprise, you know, this revenue that each club earns is offset by a franchise fee that each club needs to pay before every season, which baffles me because you're essentially stepping into the season on the back foot. Absolutely, because of this uh, arrangement of where the central revenue pool from which uh, the clubs are getting the money after the competition's over is far lesser than the franchisee fee that they are paying makes a very unsustainable model uh, at the very beginning. And to everybody's surprise, FSDL is the only entity in five and six years to be making profits uh, rather than any club who have come who haven't even come close to breaking even. So it obviously makes people become skeptic and question the ambition and of the FSDL. Are they here to really pu- uh, make f- football finance in India uh, sustainable, make clubs operational and not uh, and be in competition for a long, long time? Or is the trend of clubs shutting shop in two, three years going to keep continuing? We've right. already seen, and we've already seen, right, with Delhi Dynamo's shifting base because of, um, you know, huge costs in renting the Nehru Stadium in Delhi. Um, we've seen a lot of owners moving in and out, um, and that's a concern. But also, um, on the other hand, li- the source of revenue is so limited because uh, you don't see, other than three or four clubs, you don't see fans thronging the stadium during games. We've seen a lot of empty stands over the few years and... Uh, um, even things like merchandise revenue and things associated with match day income is very, very civilly restricted because of the lack of interest, you might say. Um, does that play a big part in clubs trying to break this threshold of finding new avenues or should they still explore these particular, you know, these channels of revenues that are very popular in Europe and across the world? Don't you think the, the big mistake that they, the FSL and the AIFF have made is creating this anomaly that the ISL is because of the fact that they have created new sporting entities and ignored the established clubs that have been in existence and have had fans and a legacy along with them makes it much harder for ISL to get fans and get uh, people to watch the league. They've already started off in a back foot. So 
uh, I think that's where, uh, in terms of broadcasting, they are really well and truly behind than the IPL because IPL essentially is an entertainment for three months, while the ISL's ambition was not to do, not to be entertainment but to be the top flight football league in India. Uh, well, wasn't it started off? You know, we remember the first two three years where it was just a three month tournament, just like the IPL, but you had probably retired or you know superstars or veterans coming to the end of their careers coming for a payday in the ISL to also help the ISL boost its valuation um, initially. Um, now, I want to compare that to the MLS because I, I see a lot of similarities. There are differences, of course, but the MLS themselves, when they started off, you know, you had the likes of, um, you know, I mean, not Pele because he came in before the MLS, but I remember David Beckham wasn't exactly at his end of his career, but he offered some years after its prime. Um, even Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you have Carlos Vela, you have Batuidi, you have Higuain today. These, these are, you know, world-class players in their own right and back in the day, but they're representing clubs that, you know, don't really have history. You know, the MLS themselves was formed in 1996. Inter Miami, which has got Matuidi and Higuain on the payroll, launched last season. So, the MLS has a lot of similarity, doesn't it, to the ISL? Absolutely. And uh, that similarity has uh, impacted the ISL also. I think in the in the very few, and uh, the beginning of the ISL, when it started, it really garnered a lot of viewership uh, from not only in India, but from around the world. And it was one of the most watched leagues in the world. I think it was the fourth or fifth most watched league in the world, which is great because people are wanting to watch the ISL. And obviously, uh, with how the superstars have thronged the ISL over the years, it is also a place where players want to come and play, which is great. But the difference here between the ISL and the MLS clubs financially is the MLS clubs have have and have been able to tap the areas of income that the ISL clubs haven't been able to because of the non-existence of the merchandise market. There's no shirt sales, and which is a very big source of income for clubs around the world, including in the MLS. Uh, and along with them, the transfer fee, because as we see in India, the transfer fees are almost uh, non-existent. Players are signed either as free agents or get loaned, uh, which is very different than in Europe and in MLS, where you see the MLS exporting talents to even Europe. Miguel Almiron coming to Newcastle, Alfonso Davis from Canada, uh, Tyler Adams. Uh, so obviously you can see that a lot of these MLS clubs are tapping into the sources of revenue uh, that the ISL clubs are failing to. Inter Miami's first thing they did once they got the franchisee or the club is to make their own stadium, something that ISL clubs are really struggling to do and, uh, some, and some clubs shifting bases because of the same reason. So these financial uh, factors are extremely important. And coming to the MS, MLS also, uh, since they haven't been, they also haven't been able to churn out profits after twenty years. Does it really, uh, does it really paint a pretty picture, pretty picture for for the ISL in their future? Yeah, I think if you put it as a direct comparison and you look at the MLS trajectory, you can say that um, it might not be the most promising land for Indian Super League clubs. But I see the MLS as a different proposition to the ISL because. I mean, finally, FSTL have acknowledged that there are uh, historic traditions in Indian football, there are hotspots, and they're trying to tap into that, which I appreciate. But also, they need to, I think they need to give these clubs and these um, assets, as you may call it, in Mohan Bagan, you might say East Bengal, of course, um, they need to give them the platform to excel and grow because, um, you know, these clubs have a hundred year history in the sport, and you cannot deny that, especially in a league that is only six years old. Um, but also, the MLS 
is different in the sense that it has an owner investor model and by this i mean that each owner of a club is not solely owning their club you know they just like how investment works um these owners invest in the league so they have a stake in the mls and in return they get the club as um, asset you might say that brings them revenue um so that is interesting way because at the end of the day the mls wants to bring more and more people into um stadiums and wants to watch the games on tv they have big television deals that have stuck with local broadcasters and this is all an attempt to woo investors and also to bring up the valuation just like a company would and i think that is the promising sign for the mls because they seek to um eventually get to a point where each club breaks even while the isl is very very far away from it even with um you know recent improvements um it seems a long long time away i think one of the key words that you used in describing the mls is the owners or the investors get uh, get clubs as assets right and here the word club is far less used when isl teams are much more of a franchise and here the I, the AFC licensing criteria is extremely important. Where, where do you stand and where do you see these clubs who are still struggling to get the AFC licensing criteria or to get certified by the AFC, uh, playing their part and playing its part in making football or clubs much more sustainable in the long term? Yeah, I think you've come to mention the nitty-gritty of the AFC licensing criteria, but one thing that it does is that it makes franchises turn to clubs and one of the biggest importance of that is that the clubs or the franchisees rather initially have to make sure that they have a youth setup and also have their own um, infrastructure and that is something that's prevalent across the world you know think of a successful football club you always they always have their uh, own facilities but i think you're coming to mention that some of the clubs you know um have failed this criteria test and uh, that places a significant burden on the ISL the FSTL as well because with indian super league having three slots in asian competition you have one slot for asian um champions league which is a historic first in indian football and two slots in the fc cup we only get to see five or six clubs being represented um because of the fact that only five or six clubs have passed this criteria and can actually participate in these competitions so that severely restricts the other half of the isl clubs from even participating in these tournaments exactly i think representation into asia is extremely important uh, which is why which is one of the reasons why the afc criteria uh, licensing criteria is extremely important for clubs to uh, to adhere to uh, but what it also does as you mentioned is it guarantees longevity a club which has uh, which like like the afc criteria uh, dictates clubs need to have age group teams at least three age group at least three age group teams in their ranks it can be under 30 under 15 or 19 it's up to them they need a stadium facility which are, which are which is up to the afc standards with a certain capacity they need an afc a licensed coach which is obviously going to guarantee you good uh, football good knowledge from the uh, from the coach uh, that he's going to impart onto the players uh, it's also uh, includes uh independent auditing which is going to look after your finances as a club if it's uh which is also important because clubs in india have a tradition to shut up shop in 3 years so uh these these criterias are important into turning franchises into clubs but, and guaranteeing longevity which is important but at the same time is uh, is it too early for clubs uh to to adhere to these things when they are at this kind of an initial stage of uh growth that's a crucial question that's a crucial point uh in terms of stadiums infrastructure and youth development um i mean 
just shelling out the expenses you're just looking at the balance of accounts um and if you're already on the back foot heading into the season when your franchise fee is offsetting your base revenue from the central pool and then you have to play pay player salaries from that revenue which is already restricted and um you know there've been reports that clubs were spending 90% of the revenue on player salaries in the first two or three years and that's thankfully come down to 65-70% but that's still a very high number when you ideally want it to be 50% salaries and 50% everything else um that severely restricts a club from investing in the future um only a couple of clubs at the top of my head have actually produced talents in the last four or five years that have broken through from their own academy into the first team you know FC Goa have done it and Mumbai City are trying to do it again uh, Bengaluru FC have done it but I think that is where um the ISL and the FSTL and the clubs need to sit together and devise a plan because if you're going to restrict the revenue streams and also charge them a huge franchise fee that limits their spending it is impossible for these teams to even think about you know setting up a stadium setting up a youth academy across three age groups like you mentioned it's it's a very very big task and this requires a lot of commitment from the owners who themselves we don't know whether they're invested for the long term we've seen a lot of revolving doors really um these are all big talking points in Indian football and these have not just like problems today these have been problems that have engulfed the the scene for the last 20 25 years and hopefully we are expecting a merger to happen and the merger is kind of the big um event in the timeline of Indian football because we think or we hope that these clubs will sit down and come to a you know um reasonable a plan to make it sustainable to operate at the highest level in Indian football but at this point it seems like If I were an owner, I would not prioritize getting a stadium and or prioritizing youth development, and would therefore uh, forego the opportunity to play in Asia if I qualify. The the ISL and the I League are. uh look into merge uh, in the coming future and this merger that is that has been in the pipeline uh is going to determine the longevity of indian football and indian football clubs because what is happening right now due, due to uh, clubs being franchises and not looking at a long term it is creating a monopoly of three or four clubs who are becoming the big three or big four or big five in the isl where the other clubs are just making up the numbers and if you look through to the isl teams you will see that isl teams are not producing players they are buying players from the i league club so this merger when it happens it's going to make i league clubs have much more incentive of not just selling their talents to the isl teams and keeping them with them so that they are competing with the isl teams on the same front for the same position in the same league which is going to make the isl teams focus much more on their young talent so that they have their own factories of players to keep bolstering their squads which is essential into keeping the competition going in the in a league which is happening everywhere across the, across the world which is why the merger is so much uh, more important and it will create and what will what will create will create a market for transfer fees because money will become extremely important for smaller clubs uh, which the bigger clubs like the ATKs the Mumbai Citys can afford to spend and it will create a much more sustainable model for clubs to become feeders and at the same time be sustainable in their operations uh, through these uh, financial gains that they will get by selling their good players uh, do you think this is a way forward for the i league and the isl to merge i think they have to merge at some point but i would rather wait till you know till a you know a well thought out plan comes into place because 
um, just by merging at the moment. You know, we're seeing a lot of I-League clubs going bust, a lot of I-League clubs struggling to stay afloat. Um, and there's no real market. Like you mentioned, there's no real marketplace for player sales. And that forms a significant amount of revenue for a lot of the lower division sides across the world. And uh, by not having this kind of a setup where, you know, players are on revolving contracts every year, most of the players at least are on one-year contracts, they keep moving as free agents. This doesn't allow a club to even think about setting up a youth academy and trying to gamble on future prospects being developed. You know, Tata Academy, which is one of the most prominent academies in the last 20, 30 years in India, is now uh, feeding Jamshedpur FC, which Tata owns as well. And, you know, academies like Minerva's Academy, which is one of the most acclaimed academies in the country, had a club. You know, Minerva Punjab was a successful I-League club, but have since, you know, sold to a different investor because there's just no scope for an I-League club to operate at this level. Um, so the merger is an interesting one. Um, I don't think it needs to come soon. It needs to happen at some point. But I would prefer to wait it out and see what they exactly come to because FSDR, we don't know what their their vision is for the future. We've never heard from um, you know, the chairperson, um, Nita Ambani, or even the CEO, CEO Sundaraman, about what their vision is for the future. We don't know whether they're actually going to help develop Indian football from the grassroots, which they've mentioned on 10,000, um, you know, promotional videos. Uh, we haven't seen a single prospect being developed. We've only seen talents jump ship from the I-League to the ISL, and that does not represent youth academies or grassroots being developed across ISL. And I think that is one source of revenue that is untapped. Uh, just like we're going to come out to mention broadcast and merchandise revenue. And uh, I just want to first start off with broadcast revenue because the ISL is so much different to the other leagues in the world in the sense that Star Sports, which is a broadcaster of the league, um, is a partner of the league, not essentially an independent broadcaster. So then their interests are pretty aligned with FSTL, isn't it? It's just to make money. Uh, and it creates a lot more problems than it uh, than it gives to the teams, doesn't it? Because you look across broad, look across broadcasting as a as a way of revenue or as a stream of revenue across the world, and you see that that Sky is spending a lot of more money, uh, wanting to uh, show the Premier League uh, Premier League games or uh, the other league games uh, being broadcasted through uh, now streaming platforms in Amazon and uh, uh, Hotstar and every every other streaming platform that there is. So. At the same time, Star being a partner in the league is kind of not the best idea for clubs to benefit from broadcasting because they're not getting the kind of money that other broadcasters would be willing to pay to show the ISL games because at this because the ISL is popular and just on the basis of the population in India, it can get a lot of viewership and which is again another the stream of uh, income that remains untapped, uh, which is something that they must come in the middle ground and find a solution to? Uh, do, do you see a solution here or do you see there's any way where the teams get the kind of broadcasting money that they deserve? I hope they do. I hope, I actually hope that FSTL and uh, Star Sports funnily enough back out because uh, I think the property that they've created, you know, fair play to them, they've created a property that's quite exciting and that has engaged a lot of fans that you would know, they have no clue about Indian football really and have followed their local teams or even other team for the last six to seven years. And now they've even brought upon the two biggest names in Indian football in ATK Mohan Bagan and East Bengal. Uh, but I think it's a lost cause there because you know that if there's money in it, you know, they're not going to back out from it. Why would they back out when they're making money? Um, but on that note, that is a significant blow for the other clubs because broadcasting is the majority of any income stream and 
uh, at least in sport and that's a big blow but another one that the clubs need to find a solution to is merchandising because uh for the longest time merchandising as a marketplace has not been existent really in indian sport um at the top ahead i can remember the indian premier league failed to have any sort of a merchandise market you know we had manufacturers like nike reebok adidas and puma you know representing teams in the first year but it's just the fact that the market isn't as big as it is in europe you know in terms of kit sales and merchandise sales that just you know shoes away this kind of an opportunity and that's a shame because this is something that can offset the lack of match day revenue so to speak and i really hope um there is some kind of a plan that can actually get or tap into this untapped market you might I say i don't i actually blame clubs for this untapped market for merchandise than i blame uh, adidas and nike or the big kit manufacturers to not meet the price point at which indian market is becomes profitable for them because why would a company that sells at a higher price lower their price to just lower their valuation i don't think the adidas packet manufacturers like adidas and nike are willing to do that but i think clubs here are extremely at fault because they are not i don't see clubs encouraging kit sales as much as uh, they are done outside india in europe in america and uh, during the mls or even in china because kit manufacturers can be anything look at 656 who have taken over the indian football team uh, and a few clubs in the isl and they have a website and that's about it i don't see marketing from 656 uh, to promote these jersey sales because they do meet a price price point which at which uh, it becomes affordable for the indian fans to uh, buy kits uh, and i think any other kit manufacturing company needs to work on this uh, marketing because i don't see club stores uh there are very few club stores uh, operating in uh, in indian football clubs so that so where do the people go to buy these jerseys uh, which are original so i think i think there's actually one thing there's actually an important thing because the isl ofstl controls the merchandise market apart from i think apart from the first team and uh, home and away kits clubs can't sell their own merchandise it has to go through isl which is why the isl has their own merchandise site which has generic t-shirts and merchandise collections for each club which is kind of funny because again you're trying to restrict the revenue sources for these uh clubs quite funny <laughs> and it uh, brings back the question that why is fsdl the only entity in the isl who is making profit while everybody else around them are struggling to uh and it kind of facilitates the skepticism associated with fsdl but again for clubs uh attracting sponsors should not only be restricted to merchandise it can be in different forms it can be selling naming rights to their stadium and their training complexes uh, which is a very popular way outside uh, outside india the in training complexes of united of liverpool stadium naming rights of uh, juventus of bayern munich are sold to corporate companies to their sponsors to make use of their visibility and make it a marketing uh, from a marketing point of view it's much more sustainable and much more uh, gives an opportunity for for them to market it in a better way because maybe you're not maybe you're wearing a fake jersey but when you're walking into your stadium you're seeing seeing the name lit up and it's hard to ignore uh, so i think there's there's a lot of way in which indian clubs can still attract sponsors uh, which will be very very essential for indian clubs to survive from a financial standpoint i think the order of the day is that clubs need to get a little bit more creative i think with their uh, efforts to bring in more revenue whether it be through sponsorship naming rights merchandise and so on and we hope to see that because at this point it's almost like a fight between the clubs and fstl i mean 
Um, it's almost like a lost fight because FSTL controls so much of the league that it is impossible to even think in different directions. But we hope that there is some point of truce between the parties and they come to something um, big, which we think is the merger, but we hope that day comes sooner rather than later. Uh, but until then, I think it's a debate for another day. Uh, we look to see what happens in the future in this space. And uh, we're going to focus on something that's a little bit related to this topic, actually. It's the um, European collaborations with Indian football clubs. We've seen FC Goa tie up with RB Leipzig recently and Hyderabad FC have a partnership with Borussia Dortmund. And there are many more partnerships over the years that we've seen um, either die out or blossom into successful ones. So... Uh, hope you join us for that one and I hope you like this one as well if you have any thoughts or opinions please give us your thoughts in the comments or leave us a like um, subscribe do the good things and uh, we hope to entertain you soon so until then it's goodbye from us